want our leaders in a prayer as we begin. Gracious Father, you are always more ready to speak to us than we are to listen. Please give us ears now that will hear your word and hearts that will trust and obey you. Uh, for the sake of your name and our good, we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> there are many ways to say thank you. Um, I, I came across a website this week which was set up to help charities express their gratitude to their supporters. Um, and they suggested a number of ways um, in which you could start a letter. Uh, here's one. Uh, Dear supporter, is there no limit to your awesomeness? Here's, here's a second option. Dear supporter, um, you can't see me, but I'm totally doing a happy dance. And <laughs> um, this is my favourite. Dear supporter, you're a spark plug for good. Thanks for igniting something special. I don't know about you, um, those suggestions make me feel a little bit nauseous. I, I could never say those words, and they feel so insincere. I suspect you'd have to be American to get away with saying them. The problem is, though, that, that actually I'm rubbish at thanking people. Um, I was invited out to dinner a couple of weeks ago by a lovely couple here at St. David's, and it's only when I started to prepare this sermon and started thinking about thankfulness that I realised I'd still not said thank you to them. Um, so I finally got my thank you note, which I'll give them at the end of the service, and I want to say publicly thank you very much for having us out to dinner. I won't name you to embarrass you. Uh, but thank you, and I'm sorry it's taken me so long. Thankfulness is not something that comes naturally to the human heart. Uh, in Romans chapter 1, Paul shows us that the root of all human sin is our refusal to thank God. See, none of us is naturally and instinctively good at being thankful, uh, which is why Psalm 100 is so important. I wonder if you noticed, um, as it was being read, the small title the small subtitle, a psalm for giving thanks. See, giving thanks isn't an optional extra for God's people. Um, it's not like porridge. When I get up in the morning, one of the first decisions I have to, I have to make is whether or not it's a porridge day. Um, I can choose either way. It doesn't really matter. Um, today was a porridge day. Uh, but I can choose. I can have cereal if I'd rather. I can't choose whether today is a thankfulness day. Thankfulness is commanded throughout Scripture, and especially here in Psalm 100. In these five short verses, we're given seven commands. Each time we're told to thank God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with thankful songs. Know that the Lord is good. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him. Praise his name. There are many ways to say thank you in our culture. But Psalm 100 tells us how to thank the Lord. And just look with me at verse 1. How do we do it? Verse 1, shout for joy to the Lord. And the word here really does mean shout. It's the same word that you'd use for a war cry. It's what the people of Israel did when they marched around the walls of Jericho. It's exuberant. It's primal. Um, it's like the student who goes to collect her A-level results and then runs around screaming because she's completely smashed her predictions. It's like that amazing Saturday night when Mo Farah won the 5,000 metres. Do you remember it? See, this is a shout that, that hasn't been filtered through what's socially appropriate. This is just erupting 
with thankfulness and joy. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. That's what the psalm tells us it means to give thanks. So do you ever do that? Uh, Would you do it here and now in church? Just shout in pure delight to the Lord. Maybe not. Here's the next command. Worship the Lord with gladness. Uh, Worship, it means literally serve. That that was what we sung in in the Jubilee just a moment ago. It means make him your Lord. Do what he says. This psalm tells us that if you want to see a thankful Christian, you need to look for an obedient Christian. So that's what true thankfulness looks like. It's exuberant joy and it's devoted obedience. So here's the question. Are you going to do it? Has this helped you? Will you leave St. David's this morning a different person because of the words that we've just looked at? Well, maybe you will. Uh, But if so, you're a better person than I am. Because I find it so easy to read these words and nod my head, and then no sooner has the service finished, uh, or I've shut my Bible, and then I'm back to grumbling and moaning just like before. So what's the answer? How do we actually become thankful people? Psalm 100 is a very significant psalm in the Psalter. Um, Maybe that's why Archbishop Cranmer chose to use it in evening prayer. Um, As as we sung it earlier, it's often called the jubilate, which which I think is Latin for the first few words in that psalm. Psalm 100 serves as the conclusion to a little run of psalms, uh, which reflect on, on on a few crucial recurring themes. These psalms, we've looked at them over the last few weeks, they talk about God's coming judgment of the world. They talk about the promise that God will one day vindicate the righteous. And above all, they keep coming back to this theme that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is the great king of all the earth. It would seem that these psalms were written to help faithful Israelites cope with confusing times. See, these Israelites were struggling with with economic crises. They were struggling with the repeated failure of, of their religious leaders and their civil leaders. They were facing the threat of foreign invasion. And so they'd be tempted to worry. Uh, they'd be tempted to be confused about God, what God was doing. Maybe they'd even wonder if God had given up on them or had forgotten them. And Psalm 100 tells us that the antidote to all of those negative emotions is very simple. It's thankfulness. It's thanksgiving because it is very hard to worry or grumble or feel sorry for yourself if you're caught up in thankfulness. See, whether or not you give thanks, whether or not you're a thankful person, reveals what you actually believe about life. It's like a barometer. It shows you what you think ultimate reality is that's underpinning the universe. See, when I spend my life grumbling and complaining, then it's a pretty clear sign that no matter what I may say I believe, at gut level, I think life's unfair. I think it's harsh. I think it's a bit unpredictable. And so I'll grumble. And it doesn't matter how often I recite the creed, at a gut level, what I really believe is that life isn't good. Life is harsh. Well, the psalmist gives us two core, concrete grounds for thankfulness. And both of them point to what ultimate reality is. Both of them point to who God is. There are two points for this morning. Our first point The psalmist says, thank Yahweh 
because he is the creator God. Look with me again at verse 3. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. You may well know that whenever the word uh, Lord is written in the Bible in small capitals, like like it comes up here in verse 1 and and verse 2 and verse 3, it's not translating the Hebrew word for Lord or Master. It's translating the personal name, the, the name that God gave Moses when, when he appeared to him in Exodus, um, it's, it's the four letters Y-H-W-H. And we tend to pronounce that Yahweh. But you'll very rarely see that written in the Bible because it's normally translated as Lord in small capitals. Now, now we need to know that because when the psalmist says, know that the Lord is God, he's not saying know that God is God because that, that kind of doesn't help anyone, does it? He's saying know that Yahweh, know that your God Know that the God who's revealed himself to you and chosen you, know that Yahweh is the true God. God. I wonder if that makes sense. Imagine this. Imagine um, Sasha Obama uh, goes to talk to her mum because she's worried about some problem. And Michelle says to her daughter, don't worry. Know that your dad is the president of the United States. He's the most powerful man on the face of the planet. Your dad is the president. Now, I guess those would be reassuring words. Well, how about these words? Know that Yahweh is God. Know that the God you call Father is the true God. He has no rivals. His wisdom is unsearchable. No one can thwart his plans. He's never stumped or confused or lacking an idea. His power is is unmeasurable. He made the heavens. I wonder if you've seen the night sky at all this week. I was cycling back from the prayer meeting on Wednesday, and I nearly crashed because of how beautiful the constellations were against the velvet black sky. Know that Yahweh, know that your God is God. It's he who made us, and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Yahweh made us. That's what it means for him to be God. He's the creator. You see, we sometimes speak about people being self-made. I think it's the idea that someone starts off in life with very few advantages, and yet has made a real success of their lives. So we call them self-made because they've done it themselves. It's a myth, isn't it? No one is actually self-made. It's God who made us. See, the life we have is a gift from him. The temperament we have is is a gift from him. We didn't choose that. The abilities we have, we didn't earn them. They were a gift. The opportunities we experience in life come from him. Every breath we take is only possible because of a deliberate decision by him to grant us one more second on earth. He is God. And he made us in every way imaginable which means we belong to him. It means we are his. It's a humbling thought, isn't it? It's humbling to think that we belong to God. It means that we're not our own. We're not independent, autonomous people. We're his. We belong to him. We're accountable to him. What we do with our days, we'll answer to him about. 
I think one of the clearest measures of our spiritual life is how we respond to that fact that we belong to God, to Yahweh. But because lots of people hate it. It feels restrictive. It, it feels patronizing or, or dehumanizing or, or, or whatever. People don't like the idea that they belong to God because it, it dethrones them. It doesn't let them live as though they are center of the known universe. But for the person who's spiritually alive, the person who's been born again, is thrilled to know that they belong to God. Because, well, for one thing, you can look at that glorious night sky and say, my God made that. I'm his. I'm one of the sheep that he cares for. See, this truth that that Yahweh is God, that we are his, recasts the way that we see life. Because suddenly everything becomes a gift from him. And at this point, um, the psalmist's first reason for thanking God starts to bleed into his second reason. It's our second point. Thank Yahweh, because he's constantly good. Look with me at verse 5. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. God is good. I wonder if that encourages you. At the prayer meeting on Wednesday, um, Mike Selwood told us a little bit about his time in Uganda. And he talked about the way in which a Ugandan vicar greets his church. And apparently he will call out, God is good. And the congregation cry back, all the time. And then the vicar says, all the time. And the Ugandan church say, God is good. It's quite simple liturgy, isn't it? But it shows that they're thrilled by the goodness of God. Are we thrilled that we've got a God who's good? See, the, the gods of ancient, um, ancient Greece couldn't be called good. They were capricious. They were jealous. They were fickle. They played games with the lives of their worshippers. They treated it as a bit of sport. And so life for the ancient Greek was unpredictable and cruel. That's how they saw it. And the modern world assumes that the forces underpinning reality are, are impersonal. They're random, that we've just evolved by chance, by unpredictable collisions of atoms over billions of years. See, there's no reason for the modern person to expect good in the world. No, life is fragile and frightening and threatening because survival of the fittest means that maybe one day a fitter person will come along and they'll survive me. Maybe that's why our society is so obsessed with entertainment, because it distracts us from thinking about what might be just around the corner. Well, the Christian knows that the reality at the heart of the universe is a good God. A God whose love endures forever. A God whose faithfulness continues through all generations. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. He cares for us. He's committed to us forever. And that's astounding. See, God is our creator. He is infinitely greater than us. He has no reason to take an interest in us. And yet he did. Why? Not because of anything in us. He did it because he's good. 
And he's so good that when we're lost, when we were gone astray from him, when we had refused to thank him for his kindness, when we'd wallowed in the pride of our hearts, when we'd ensnared ourselves in sin, when we'd offended him and provoked him righteously to anger, he came for us. He entered our world as a baby so that one day, 30 years later, he, the immortal God, could die. That's what goodness looks like. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Thankfulness, friends, is essential to a healthy Christian life. It is the antidote to worry and grumbling. It's what deals with self-pity. Because it holds on tightly to the fact, even in the middle of confusion and heartache, it holds on to the fact that the ultimate reality in the universe isn't random. It's not impersonal. It's not cruel. It's a shepherd who cares for his sheep. It's a loving father who would do anything for his children. So as I close, just, just, just cast your mind forward to the week ahead. Just, just picture a moment when you might find yourself worried or, or grumbling. Maybe, maybe when the children are misbehaving. Maybe when the weather leaves you housebound. I don't know what it might be. And say to yourself, even there, Yahweh, my Father, is the Creator God. And He's good all the time. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Amen.